So the first question is, what did you think you would do when you were a kid? Yeah, I know. So when I was about 12 years old, I think that's still kind of like a kid. I, yeah. uh, I wanted to be an architect then. And uh, prior to that, I'm not really sure exactly what I wanted to be when I was young, you know, like an astronaut mm -hmm. or whatever as a kid. Those are always like the things that you're like, oh, firefighter. Um, but no, I think an architect was the first thing that I wanted to be uh, when I was just before a teenager. And I'd have to look back at my elementary goals. But um, yeah, you really just throw the word landscape in front of architect and I wasn't too far off. So when did you first like see an architect? Because I know when I was a little kid, I don't think like an architect would have been something that, that I thought about. I don't know when I first saw an actual architect. I just remember walking around and looking at some of the bed and breakfasts and some of the hotels and buildings in my community and thinking that would be really cool just to design a building or, or do a cute little country cottage like this, you know, so... Yeah, I don't think I met an architect till much later in life. So you were like inspired by the buildings around you? Yeah. And you like that you wanted to do something like that? Yeah, that's that's what I think I, I really liked and and my mom was very into like home and garden television and interior do it yourself improvements. So it was always always stuff like that on the television on, on the weekends. My next question was actually, what did your parents want you to do? Or kind of how did they inspire you to go in one direction? Yeah, my parents never really pressured me to do anything in particular. So, you know, I didn't have to be a doctor or a, or a lawyer or anything like that to impress them. And I think the biggest thing is that none of my parents actually had the opportunity to get a post-secondary education so mm -hmm. this was something that they all really wished for me to to go out in the world and get and they were really excited about it um, so yeah they knew I loved being creative but they really left the the choosing up to me do you think your mom did really inspire you with her interests yeah, I definitely do. Yeah, being outside, um, gardening, doing the plant baskets. Um, yeah, I think that definitely played a role in why I chose to go more in this sort of exterior design realm. And um, yeah, and then I actually worked at a, a greenhouse, a little nursery, a family nursery as well. So I got a bit of knowledge in, in some annual and perennial plantings as well. So I think that that helped too. Uh, when you were in high school, what did you want to do? In high school, I was doing my five-year plan for career and personal planning. I'm sure you have a course similar to that here. Yeah, we do. Okay, so in grade 12, I had narrowed my options down to, to two different courses that were offered at the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology in Nate, which is Edmonton. You've probably heard of SAIT before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so with Edmonton being about six hours away from my hometown and Radium Hot Springs, I had, you know, about a three hour drive from my dad to an Airdrie because that's where he lived and still currently lives. And the thoughts were that I would gain more independence by being in Edmonton a bit further away from my family and, and trying to kind of live on my own a little bit. 
Um, and then my parents had friends that I could live and board with. So it seemed like a safe option for a 17 year old female. And mm -hmm. I was, I was interested in either taking the interior design technology diploma or the landscape architectural technology diploma. And, and both of these are only two years of technical education, but they are also very different. Um, and then while attending Nate, we actually had the opportunity to collaborate with the interior design students for the home and garden show. And I, I do think I chose the right path and sticking to the exterior design, but yeah, that's kind of, kind of where I ended up. So you did apply to the exterior design program? Yeah, for landscape architectural technology. Yeah. So that was a two-year diploma program? Yep, exactly. And did you continue on after that diploma? Yeah, I did eventually. I worked for three years as a, a technologist. And um, yeah, and then I, I saved a bunch of money. I decided, you know, hey, I could go back to school or I could buy a house right now in Calgary. And yeah, at the time I decided to, to go to school and I applied to university in Guelph, Ontario, which is very far away, as well mm -hmm. as the University of Idaho. And they both had Bachelor of Landscape Architecture programs. And I was only accepted to Idaho, uh, which was kind of, it was disappointing because I had my heart set on, on Guelph. And my boss at the time had gone to Guelph and a lot of my colleagues had, had gone to school there. Um, but then Idaho was an option and and my parents actually were like, you know what, let's go check it out. Let's drive to the campus, see what it's all about, meet the teachers and and go from there. So in July, actually, we drove there and it's about six hours from Radium. So pretty easy drive for us. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was really nervous about going to America but actually being there, seeing the campus, um, talking to the people, they were very friendly and yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't resist taking that leap. So did you apply to Guelph and Idaho because like those were really the only options for the program? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Those are the only two options that I could go into as a bachelor program. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of master of landscape architecture programs now available, and there's a lot more schools that are available here, even in Canada. So um, the program is getting out there a little bit more, but um, I think the bachelor programs are starting to disappear and, and masters are kind of taking over and it's people Yeah, are, I think we're seeing more masters programs now. Yeah. And so people are required to, to do that much more, right? Um, and have that mm -hmm. early schooling and then kind of dive into a bit more what they want. And uh, I mean, education's fabulous. I just got in at a time where where a bachelor was, was acceptable and, and that's what I decided to do. So did you stay with the program in Idaho? Yeah, I stayed with that. Uh, luckily, what we were able to do is is have your first two years at Nate be transferable to mm -hmm. the university, and that's what they do at Guelph still um, currently as well. So uh, that's 
that's generally what you have to do and you get your courses sort of evaluated and they kind of weigh it out when you go to the next university and tell you okay well you still need to do all of these like 101 initial courses so yeah it's pretty it was it was a lot of credits I found myself doing in the last year of university I think I had around 22 credits and most other seniors had around 12 so mm -hmm. I was trying to jam in a lot in a very short amount of time so having maybe a master or an, an extra year of education out there would have helped me a lot um, but uh, I kind of just wanted to get it done and, and not pay super high you know currency for my tuition uh, out of country and so getting that done in two years was kind of my goal what was it like going to school in Canada versus the States? My college education was definitely a lot, a lot younger, you know, from 17 to 19. Mm -hmm. So when I graduated, well, I'm from British Columbia. So, you know, the drinking age is 19. So going mm -hmm. to Alberta, I was still under the drinking age, but then halfway through, you know, you're allowed to drink and mingle and be outside. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit different. I think as, as, you know, a teenager and trying to get into your adult life, it's a big learning phase. And then when I went to Idaho, I was 24 years old. So I was a little bit older and um, a lot of my classmates were very young, like they weren't even 21 yet. So it was interesting seeing, you know, how, how America kind of reacted to to that change and how these kids are going through stuff that I was going through a lot earlier in life. Um, yeah, so from that part of it, it was it was different to see that social side. And I mean, you know, drinking's not not everything. It's not the most important thing, but it is a part of uh, our lives, whether mm -hmm. we do or don't. Um, but yeah, and then I think as far as the people, you know. I had great professors and instructors uh, at Nate as well that really encouraged me to continue on and put a good word out for my my field. And so that's how I was able to land mm -hmm. a, a job in Calgary initially after Nate is one of my instructors actually worked at the firm that I worked at and she knew the knew my boss very well. So it was it was easy mm -hmm. to get an in on that and I think it's difficult for some of the students because um, Nate is very heavily Edmonton people, yeah, right? And then Sate is very heavily Calgary, um, but they don't offer the same program. So landscape is not available at Sate as far as I know. I don't know if that's changed. Um, so a lot of the people that graduated just wanted to stay in Edmonton and I wanted to go to Calgary. So I think it was a lot easier for me to, to make that move and there were a lot more job opportunities to do that as well. Um, and then I so think you being go ahead. willing to move definitely it made it easier to yeah. kind of transition to working. Definitely. It did at the time. Uh, but I'm you know, I'm not I'm not sure what the world is gonna be like now, right? Like our world is yeah. is so different. We should be able to work where from wherever we are and Mm -hmm. it, it shouldn't really matter I don't think on our actual location well we've seen like with COVID how possible it is to actually work from home mm -hmm. yeah and and I think a lot of companies didn't really 
know what was going to happen with that and they were forced into making that available for their employees mm -hmm. and yeah and I think a lot of people came out surprised like oh yeah we could actually make this work so yeah well our school went online in March and I think before that we really weren't using like technology to our advantage mm -hmm. but like we were kind of forced to learn just like how much more accessible school could be if we started using technology. Yeah, exactly. And the whole world's figuring this out on, on so many different mm -hmm. levels, right? So so it's really cool. So do you kind of want to talk about how your job started once you um, graduated from Idaho? Yeah, sure. When I graduated from Idaho, that was 2009, so a little while ago and it was a difficult time in Calgary specifically with the economy we, we have our highs and lows right mm -hmm. um, so so it was one of the lows and it was just it was a good thing that I actually had work experience and I worked at a firm for three years pre previous as a, a technologist so I think that really helped me get my foot in the door and yeah. and keep that position right so a lot of my classmates coming out of Idaho, just went right back into school because there were no other options in America either for them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, when, when there's an economic downturn, yeah, you can go to school, you can keep getting education, you know, education's going to be good for, for so many reasons. Um, if you can afford it, right, financially, it's not yeah. always so easy. So, um, yeah. And yeah, so I, I did, I, I got on with uh, the same firm and that was great because I already knew everybody. I knew the projects and um, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I, I worked with them for another couple years actually. And then they were acquired by a larger firm at, and then um, that was its own little thing, but that happens a lot with small boutique firms they do get bought up by mm -hmm. larger engineering firms or architectural firms or or whatnot so then um yeah then I actually was approached by one of my previous colleagues that I worked with and they needed help at McElhaney and that's that's how I got kind of moved from one place to the next and now I've been I've been at McElhaney for nine years um, do you want to, what was kind of the difference in experiences at like that small firm that you were familiar with versus now at the larger firm? The small firm definitely has its perks, you know, it has its little sort of umbrella, its own little benefits. Um, I do think that the smaller firm is is nicer for building relationships with people and your colleagues and and getting to know them better mm -hmm. and you know it yeah there's just there's just something really nice and refreshing about a small firm that can survive um but that's not always the case and then and then you think about these larger firms, which, you know, you have a, a lot larger of an umbrella, um, maybe a lot more opportunities for training and professional development and um, 
that kind of a thing and conferences and meeting people and um but then that's all changing too with with COVID and the pandemic so mm-hmm. um the, our way of interacting and and learning has has also changed a lot so what does your day-to-day at work look like now so other than meetings which are you know pretty pretty often my day fluctuates Mm -hmm. it's not the same day in and day out i am a project manager of you know anywhere from six to 12 projects at a time so i mean these could be little small projects that are you know under five thousand dollars or or larger projects that are you know up to five hundred thousand dollars so um you know it's each project even even though the smaller projects are are tiny in size and budget you still have to deal with a lot of the same paperwork and go through the same mm-hmm. roles there um, but yeah I work on public realm and recreation projects from Saskatchewan to British Columbia and we're hoping to expand that a bit and get further out to Ontario and some of the coolest projects I've been involved with are in the national parks like I'm sure you've been to a few of these, like Waterton and Jasper, uh, Kootenai mm-hmm. National Park, Yoho, and Banff. And I've even worked on a project in my hometown, which is pretty neat, going back there and, and being yeah, on site. Yeah, like taking my mom out for dinner because I'm staying with her. So that was pretty, pretty cute. Yeah. And then um, I also get to work with the province and focus on outdoor recreation and trails and campground work. And my day involves mostly like reviews, you know, a lot of email correspondence calls, talking directly with people and uh, design and research. And really, we're always learning new things. And even in COVID, Mm -hmm. in this COVID world, there's no lack of training sessions in the pandemic. And yeah, my work is all about designing safe outdoor spaces for people and anything from playgrounds to parks to sports fields, resorts, visitor centers. Um, There are so many different projects. Uh, I even designed a disc golf course in Canmore with a PDGA member so that was that was pretty fun, especially when you get to do I think, something you'd like to play. Yeah. When I was in the office like a couple summers ago, I think you showed me that project and it was like one that really stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah, that was the Three Sisters disc golf course. And yeah, I mean that one was pretty pretty um simple in general, like as far as the layout and using the aerial photograph below and then you have sort of your CAD line work on top and Mm -hmm. then um, yeah working with a professional disc golf guy Elijah he he was on my team and that was really cool just to to walk around and see you know how the course was working beforehand and and really not working because there was a lot of conflict with with the residents and the buildings and how they were faced and how the alignment of the original course was. So there was a lot of conflicts with people throwing discs in backyards of people's houses and they weren't very happy about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then 
um, yeah, just changing the alignments and, and making sure that there wasn't conflict there. So that was that was pretty neat. And we also reduced the amount of holes. So we only had nine instead of 12. And, and I think just moving it and having that better circulation was really important. Um, but yeah, that was a beginner, a beginner type course, which uh, I, I enjoy just learning. And it's great for other people who have never played the sport to get out there and try and not be, you know, too, mm-hmm. <laughs> too worked up about a really difficult course, like the Nordic Center, which is also in Canmore. So we have to be able to design for, for all abilities and, and uses, right? Do you often have like a consultant who would come, like who's kind of specialized in that one area with a project? Yeah, definitely. We we have that a lot. Um, yeah, so he, Elijah was more a disc golf player, so he's not really, he acted like a sub-consultant to us um, just because he is an expert in, in how the game works, right? So yeah. that was pretty neat. But then if you think about, other projects um, like, you know, on the biology side. So some of the coolest stuff that I think we get to work on is stuff with species at risk and invasive species and historical resources and reclamation. So that kind of stuff, you get Mm -hmm. to work with biologists and sometimes you get to work with artists sometimes architects and surveyors engineers and I think more importantly like communities and people so so these can all be like very rewarding you know take pride in these projects and and being involved with this you know for the last 16 years I've been involved with so many different fields Mm -hmm. so it's it's pretty neat well, this has been an awesome conversation. It was really cool to hear about what landscape architecture actually is. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking. And and I hope that you're you're getting a lot of comments and trying to figure out what's happening with near future.